0: Thank you so much for being here. And if we haven't met or if you're new around here and you haven't met me before, my name's Rachel and I'm part of the team here. I'm always at the 11. I love the 11 o'clock service. I love you guys. I just love the diversity and the difference in ages and makeup and ethnicity of this service. So thank you so much for being here. And if you're here for the first time, if you're not a Christian, but you're on a bit of a journey, you're on a spiritual journey, and you're not even sure if, what's going on around here, I'll let you into secret. Sometimes I don't either. Um, but we're so glad you're here and exploring and being open to sort of being in this space. You're so, so welcome. And um, this morning I am teaching and preaching on Jesus, which is my favourite thing to do. So I might get a little bit excited and I might get a bit um, kind of like, oh, I'll start moving around a bit because I love talking about Jesus. But, you know, he is a topic, an area of debate that has been around for 2,000 years, as long as him, actually. And uh, this morning, as we head towards Easter, which is coming, we are looking at Jesus from different angles in our sermon. And this morning, I am talking about Jesus, who is the Son of God. I'm going to be talking about Jesus, who is fully God, but fully human. And that's what I'm going to try and unpack. And it's a a mystery. I'm just going to put it out there. So if you get to the end of the sermon, you're like, well, that's a bit unclear. I'm just going to say scholars and theologians have been discussing this very thing for hundreds of years so if I don't do a very good job just go get a book um, and read it every yourself but um, one of their Jesus disciples Peter in Matthew 16 was asked this very question by Jesus he says Peter who do you think I am who do you think I am And Peter was quite known for giving sort of rogue answers to questions sometimes. He's a a little bit um, enthusiastic, can get the better of him. But on this one, he nails it. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Peter, his disciple and best friend, believed that Jesus was the son of God. Jesus himself believed he was the son of God. The New Testament writers, the writers that wrote the Gospels, the biographies of Jesus, believed he was the Son of God. The apostles that came after them believed he was the Son of God. And yet in our culture, in our society, in this city, in our world, the reality and the truth that Jesus is the Son of God is probably really contested and debated. We are probably far more comfortable talking about Jesus in his sort of humanity Jesus, the great moral teacher. Jesus, the man that was the friend of sinners. I particularly like that aspect of Jesus' character. Jesus, the man who who sort of stooped down with the marginalized and the the poor, the ones on the outcasts, the outcasts on the margins of society, the ones that nobody else really wanted to engage with, the lepers, the poor, the women. We love that aspect of Jesus, and I do too. But that isn't only who Jesus was. He wasn't just an amazing teacher, an amazing man. He was also the Son of God, fully human but also fully divine. And that's where I'm kind of going to go this morning. C.S. Lewis, who um, uh, was—I'm a fan of his. Read all his books. Haven't read all his books, but a lot of his books, the Narnia Chronicles. I love those? Christians love C.S. Lewis. Dave Mitchell's a great fan. Um, he was not a Christian when he set off to, to try and discover who this Jesus was. And he calls himself the most reluctant Christian in Christendom, I think is one of the things he said about himself. But he's got this quote that's going to come on the screen. This is what he said about Jesus, because there's debate even now about who he is. But he says, you must make your choice either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse you can shut him up for a fool you can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God let us not come up with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher he has not left that open to us and he didn't intend to I once put that on my Facebook page that was fun so who do you believe Jesus to be today? I suspect if we went around and surveyed everybody in this room, there would be lots of different views and understandings of who Jesus was. Maybe here you don't even believe he existed. Well, actually, most people, if they look into it, can tell that Jesus is an historical figure. That's not just Christians saying that, that is people who, um, historians know that a man called Jesus existed 2,000 years ago. He walked the earth, he was a great moral teacher. He was, um, performed miracles, if you believe they were miracles, and uh, he was killed by the Romans. H- History says that is, is a fact. So it's not debatable whether he existed. The debate is around his divinity. Was he who he said he was? Because if he was, that changes everything, doesn't it? Because it means that the God of the universe existed and came and walked on the earth like we are, did life like us, and that changes everything. And so our passage this morning is going to illustrate, hopefully, this sort of nub of Jesus' divinity, but also his humanity. And we're going to reveal both those things in this passage. So if that could come up on the screen, that'd be amazing. I'm just going to do a shout-out, actually, for Steve on ProPresenter, who arrived at, like, one minute to 11 when there was nobody else on ProPresenter and jumped on. So, kudos, Steve. Thank you so much. (laughs) Amazing. Honestly, we have incredible volunteers. And if you want to be an incredible volunteer, come find me afterwards. Right, Matthew 3. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Understatement. There we go. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God. Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he quotes scripture at Jesus, which is so interesting. The devil says, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him with scripture. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. This passage is a beautiful, oh, there's so many things you can preach about this passage. I mean, there are so many angles and elements that you can talk about, but it does beautifully illustrate Jesus' humanity. And his divinity. It's the mystery of the incarnation. You know, at at Christmas time, we go big on the incarnation because Jesus came as a baby and was born through a normal woman called Mary. And we love all of that. We get really excited about how the God of the universe came as a baby and entered our world in in a stable. Actually, it wasn't a stable, it was probably an outhouse. Uh, But it was laid in a manger where animals ate. And the mystery and the uniqueness of a saviour who stoops down and gets into our dirt to become like one of us. It's a beautiful thing. But it is hard to understand. And if you find it hard to understand, you are in good company. Because it is hard to understand. It is mysterious. But if we can grasp it, even just a little bit. If we can kind of allow our imaginations and our heads to kind of open up a little bit to the mystery of God then it should change us, it should touch us, it should call out of us a desire for worship, a desire for him to be Lord, a desire to put him on the throne of our lives rather than anywhere else. And as Jesus comes up out of the water at his baptism, like we're going to baptise some people tonight, He hears God's voice from heaven speaking over him. And and it suggests in the passage that others heard it too. So it wasn't just an interaction between Jesus and the Father. And God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. God the Rapper. I always have to do that. It's really immature, I'm sorry. But this is my son who I am well pleased. And this is the start of Jesus' ministry where God is publicly affirming Jesus. Before he then is led out into the desert, the wilderness, to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And be hungry and weak and at a low ebb because he hasn't fed his body for 40 days. It's, it's, it's a picture of his humanity that he's not sort of sustained and glide through the 40 days of fasting without it really affecting him. He is at a low ebb. But Jesus here is not some created child that has come together from a, an egg and a sperm. where God says to Jesus, this is my son who I'm well pleased. It's an illustration that Jesus has the same nature as his father in the same way that my children have the same nature of me because I've created them. They've come from my body. Jesus has the same nature as God. He is divine like God. In fact, John 1, which we often read at Christmas, has these amazing words about Jesus. They're going to come on the screen, I hope. In the beginning was the Word, that's another name for Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him, through Jesus, all things were made. Without Jesus, without him, nothing was made that has been made. So Jesus, who is called the Word in John, and is just being baptized, has always existed. There has never been a time where Jesus has not existed, because he is divine. He is in union, in community with God and the Spirit. And this divineness is what the devil goes after, is what the devil wants to trade on and cajole Jesus around. But Jesus has laid aside his divineness in this and um, part of the story and he's in the wilderness and he's hungry and fasting but the devil nonetheless wants to go after it wants to trade on it he says if you're the son of God he knows he's the son of God there's no question in the devil's mind it's not really a valid if because actually the son of God created the fallen angel so there's not a question as to whether he is the son of God It's just his tactic, his his sort of angle to get at Jesus. If you're the son of God, you could turn these stones into bread. You could do that. Interestingly, a few chapters later, if you know the story of Jesus and the biography, Jesus does create a shed load of bread, enough to feed 5,000 people. So Jesus has no problem creating bread. He has no problem turning stones into bread. That is not an issue. The issue is, it's not his time. It's not his time to do that miracle. And he certainly isn't going to bow to Satan's pressure to do it. And then he says, if you're the son of God, jump off the temple. God will save you. It says in scripture, God will do that. But it's not his time. It's not time for Jesus to do anything spectacular. That time will come at Calvary, will come in the garden when he comes back to life. It's not his time. And he says to him, all this, all this that you see, all these kingdoms, bow down and worship me and I'll give them to you. Ridiculous. They don't belong to Satan anyway. Jesus made them. Jesus owns them. Jesus created them. In John 5, verse 19, it's Jesus is talking about his father and he says, I only do what I see the father doing. Basically, I only do what the father tells me to do. So in this picture of the temptation, there is no way that Jesus is going to give an inch to Satan because that would make him sinful. And Jesus is perfect and without sin. He is the sinless saviour in his divinity, but also in his humanity. So hungry, at a low web, thirsty, weak, he's not going to give in to Satan. He's not going to sin because he is sinless and he does what the Father says and it says he rebukes Satan. And Satan leaves. He goes. He knows there is no place for him here to keep doing what he's doing. The Apostle Paul says about Jesus in Philippians 2 this. It's a beautiful passage, actually, if you want to read it. Go home and maybe have some lunch and read Philippians 2. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. He's talking about Jesus. He says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness see jesus could have turned stones to bread jesus could have jumped off the temple jesus could do what he wants because he's god but he he set aside his divinity or he laid it aside it says he humbled himself he didn't consider equality with god something to be used as an advantage he sets it aside so he can be human He can live a human life like we lived and have human pressures like we have and feel human hungers and urges and temptations like we have, like we live. It's wild, isn't it, that the God of the universe becomes like us. It is hard to get your head around. It is hard to get your head around. What difference does this make to our lives? That's often the question that I ask when I'm listening to a sermon is like, it's great, but what difference does it make to my life? It's a good question to ask, actually, when you listen to people preaching. Does this touch me? Does this change me? Am I going to do anything different from hearing the sermon? Am I going to be different? Well, I think there's four takeaways that I want to kind of give you if you'd like them. And I'm hoping that they will land with you in some way. The first thing I want to say is I've had this image in my head since preparing the sermon all week, <clears throat> and it's around my, um, my son and my daughter-in-law are moving back to Bristol after leaving, leaving home when they were 19, and they're moving back, and they're going to be living with us. They, move, they leave home, and then they come back again, apparently. That's what happens, I'm, I'm discovering. Actually, it's really exciting, and we're very pleased to be able to do it. <clears throat> but we are having to reorganize our house. Because um, they're going to move into our house. And we've actually given them our bedroom. I know. We're great people, aren't we? <coughs> because it's the biggest room, basically. And they've got lots of stuff. we are not that nice. But we are having to reorganize our life. We're having to make space. And we're having to move furniture around. And we're having to kind of think about, oh, that needs a bit of painting. Oh, that's not going to go there anymore. And we're having this sort of process of reorganizing our house. And it made me think about how we accommodate Jesus into our lives. And how we try and fit him in to our house. And we give him a space. Maybe a Sunday morning space or a Sunday evening space or a Wednesday night space or whatever. But really, he doesn't just want the space. He wants us. He wants our lives. He wants to be Lord of our lives. He's inviting us to surrender ourselves to him. In his humanity... And in his divinity he's inviting us to have to kind of welcome him into the whole house and if your life was a house, how, where does Jesus live in, in your house in your life I think it's a, maybe a helpful concept to think about is he an add-on is he an extra is he in the outhouse you, know, you can go You can go overboard on this. Is he in the downstairs toilet? Is he in the upstairs bathroom? Is he in the hall? Is he sitting on the stairs? I don't know. You could go wild with all this. But the point is, you know where he fits into your life. Are you just making a little space for him? Or have you invited him in fully? Is he Lord and Savior? Or is he a bit of an added extra? I think he's inviting us to let him in fully. Secondly, as we embrace the truth of Jesus being fully human and fully divine, we have to um, prepare ourselves for a culture that does not accept that as truth. It's so much more acceptable for Jesus to be a great teacher, to be Jesus to be a really good man, for Jesus to have some amazing teachings. But he doesn't really give us that option because of what he says about himself and what he teaches and what he he says. He's not just a great man. He is a brilliant God. And I really think we have to grow in confidence in that truth. Our culture would love us to sort of water down our faith, to water down our commitment to follow Jesus. It's not very socially acceptable to say you believe that Jesus is the son of God. Say that at a dinner party, and most people will look a bit oddly at you. Oh, that's interesting, but actually, that is who Jesus is, and that's who we're called to sort of proclaim. Doesn't mean you go completely bonkers and you go like mad Bible basher, but it means having a confidence and an expectation that Jesus is who He said He is, and He is good news. Good news for you. Good news for your neighbour. Good news for the city. Good news for your community. We live in a world that is completely devoid of hope. Completely devoid of hope. It, is, it feels like it's getting a bit darker. I don't know if, you know, that's just me, but it feels dark and difficult. But Jesus is light, light of the world. And so I want to, in a minute, I'm going to pray for you. If you want to kind of grow in that hope and expectation, that boldness of speaking of Jesus, and I'd love to pray for you. Thirdly, if you don't know Jesus yet, if you're here and you're on a journey of faith, we're so glad you're here and you get to hear about Jesus, because there's nobody like him. He calls, he's a savior of the world. He's a savior of us. He's saved me so many times and so much stuff. He has met me so many times in my difficulty, in my hardship, in my pain, in my suffering. He's freed me from resentment and bitterness. He's, he's given me his forgiveness and his redemption over my life. And if you're here now and you don't know Jesus, then you can get to know him today. You can come find us and you can pray, you can take a step towards him. And he will take a step towards you, I promise. Fourthly and finally, one of the things about Jesus being fully human is that he knows the human experience He has walked like us through life, his relationships, with people, with difficulty, with hardship, with pain, with suffering, with trauma. He has walked where we are walking and where we have walked. There is nothing, Scripture says, that that we have experienced that he hasn't experienced. There's this beautiful verse in Hebrews 4, which illustrates this. For we do not have a great high priest, that is Jesus who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. Every way you're tempted. It says Jesus has been tempted too. Just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Are you in need today in some way? Have you come in need? Well, Hebrew says that there is grace and mercy available for you today. Grace and mercy, that's amazing, isn't it? Available for you and for me today, every day, every minute of every day. Because Jesus knows what it's like to be us. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to be frail and upset, and tired, and hungry, and weak, and vulnerable, and overwhelmed, and anxious. He's experienced all of that. But he doesn't just identify with us and say, oh, there, there, that's really hard. I I kind of know how you feel. He enters in and says, I've got what you need today. I have resources for you today. I have the Holy Spirit for you today. So, I finished. But I'd love us to pray. I'd love us to pray. And I want to pray a few things. I want to pray that each of us, every single person in this room, which is kind of a, bit of a big prayer, isn't it? But, you know, I'm going for it. That we have a deeper revelation of how wonderful Jesus is today. If we feel a bit cynical or disappointed with church, with Christians... That's okay, it's understandable. I've felt like that as well sometimes. But let's not be cynical and disappointed around who Jesus is. People let us down, but Jesus doesn't. So I'd love to pray for you guys. I'd also love to pray for you, if you want to grow and have a sort of a revelation and a holy boldness and confidence that Jesus is at work through you in your world, I'd love to pray for you, and I'm going to get you to stand in a minute. And um, again, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'd love to offer you, free, um, a gospel, which is a biography of Jesus' life, and a little book called Why Jesus, which explains why Jesus is so brilliant to get to know, and they'll be at the front, and I'd love to give them to you and pray with you, bless you. So if you're here and you would love to grow and have a, a... yeah, the Holy Spirit to help you to know a sort of a boldly confidence in your faith and in who Jesus is and in what he wants to do through you, I'm going to ask you to stand with me and I'm going to pray for you. Now, I realize that, you know, if you're not feeling very confident and you want confidence, standing might be tricky, but I kind of think standing might be the first step, literally. So do stand and I'm going to pray for you. I'm standing, by the way, because I want more confidence. <laughs> And if you're not standing, that's fine too. I don't want you to feel bad or good or anything about that. You might want to put your hands out as a sign that you're taking this seriously to Jesus and you know you need him. I'm going to pray for all of us who have taken that step to say, yes, I want to know more of you, Jesus. God, I pray for these people, these brothers and sisters of mine in Christ. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would Fall on them and give them a boldly confidence. To know Jesus in their hearts and minds, to know Jesus that he is truthful and real, to know that he is divine and human, to have a a loosening even on their lips and in their mouths of who Jesus is, a confidence to speak of him and not be ashamed, not to be sort of people-pleasing and apologetic about who Jesus is and about what their faith is like and what their faith means to them, but there would be a, a sweetness to their conversations around Jesus. Uh, uh, a loosening of their tongue and their freedom to speak of Jesus, where you give them those opportunities. And I pray for us, God, as, as your church, <coughs> that we would rise up in confidence to know that you want to do good things through your people. You want to bring blessing through us to our city, blessing through us to our communities, blessing through us to our families, blessing through us to those that don't yet know you. And I pray, God, that In our availability now and in our courage to stand in front of others, you would honour that. You would fill us with your Holy Spirit. That we would be a kind of a a foretaste, a wave, sweeping across this city of people coming to know you. Of people realising that Jesus is wonderful, that Jesus and knowing him is good news. And I pray for these precious people, God you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit. That they would be Jesus to those people that they're with this week, this month. They wouldn't have to change and be somebody else but that you would work with them and through them. You'd Give them opportunities to serve and bless and encourage and lift up and pray. Pray for miracles to be released through these people as they pray for the people around them. For people's lives to be lifted and loosened and blessed. For depression to go and anxiety to go, for healing to come, that God we would speak of you and know your confidence. May it be so in your name Jesus, we pray. Why don't we all stand together and I'm just going to hand over to the worship band and pray. It may be that you're here and you are um, yeah you, you are in need. That's what it says in in Hebrews, that when you're in need, we can find mercy and grace from Jesus because he knows what it's like to be where you are. And if that's you this evening, then this evening, this morning, we'd love to pray for you. There's a team of prayer ministers that are going to be down to my left. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray release of the grace and mercy that's talked about in Hebrews to be over your life. We believe it to be true. It's not just kind of wishful thinking. It's an actual thing we get to do. It's amazing. So if you would like some prayer for anything, then come forward. Don't be shy. And I'll be over there as well. We'd love to pray for you.